5, verses 17 through 26. One day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the, to the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Wow. So I want you to know, said Jesus, that, that the Son of Man has authority. He has the power. He has the right on earth to forgive sins. Pretty amazing statement that he makes. Well, you may know the old story um, about a man who's lost in the desert. He's, he's dying. He's, he's run out of water. He's just dying for, for some, a drink of water. And he stumbles upon an old, an old deserted shack. And, and next to it is an old rusty pump. And, and he starts pumping the handle up and down, up and down. And, of course, nothing. Nothing comes out. But off to his side, he, he noticed an old dusty jug. He wiped away the dirt. He found a note attached to it that said, you have to prime the pump with all the water in this jug. Right? And P.S., be sure you fill the jug again before you leave. Well, sure enough, this jug is filled with not so, not so fresh, but, but some clean water. Well, he faced a decision, Right? If he drinks the water, he'll live. But if he pours all of this water into the rusty pump, he might get all the fresh water he needs or wants, but maybe not. Right? I mean, what if he wasted all that necessary water on an old rusty pump and got nothing? Well, as the story goes, he reluctantly pours all the water into the pump, pumps the handle up and down, and at first, you know, there's a little dribble of water and then a little bit of a stream, and then all of a sudden it gushes with all this fresh, good water. Can you imagine how he felt? Can you imagine, can you remember how you felt when things were going so badly and so with, with great difficulty, but some kind of relief comes and you go, thank God, oh, I'm so glad. Can you imagine how he felt about this? And of course, he fills the jug with water to leave behind, 
He drinks from it. He fills his canteens. And he leaves another note before he left. It says, believe me, it really works. And he said, you have to give it all away before you get anything back. You have to give it all away before you get anything back. Well, friends, faith is like that decision to prime the pump, right? In the passage here, it says, uh, news about Jesus was spreading throughout the whole countryside. I mean, and who did Jesus hang out with? Remember the context in Luke's gospel. People were being healed. Outcasts were being welcomed. Sinners were being forgiven. News of the kingdom of God was being received. And so one day, as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law had come from every village in Galilee, and even from way down south, some 80 miles away, way down south from Judea and Jerusalem. you got to ask, well, what's going on that they would come all that way to, to meet this itinerant rabbi? Well, in Jesus' day, uh, the Pharisees were one of four of the religious groups uh, in Judaism. You had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Zealots, and also the Essenes. And they all had a different approach, different way of handling their Judaism in the day. But with all of them, power and influence was based on keeping the law, keeping the law of Moses. And then, of course, through the countless elaborate rules that they developed. Of course, churches never develop extra rules and expectations and things for us, right? Yeah, you do. <laughs> All the time. There's a right way and wrong way to do things, you know? Yeah, good luck with that. You see, Jesus apparently was, was calling their teaching and their religious life into question. Because Jesus has, he has no use for rules and regulations that keep people in bondage to sin or keep people being rejected. For the Lord, the cry of human need supersedes all those kinds of rules. And to the Pharisees, Jesus wasn't only teaching people to disregard their teaching, but he himself was clearly a lawbreaker. And then from this time on, in fact, in all four of the Gospels, early on, Jesus would face increasing opposition. Apparently, Jesus so threatened their power, their way of life, that finally the opposition got so extreme, they, lo they looked for a way to get rid of him, to eliminate him. It says to look for a way to have him killed. Now, that's pretty extreme, right? I mean, something really, there's a big struggle going on in those religious leaders because their power apparently was being so threatened that we've got to get rid of this guy, Okay. Well, just then it says, some men came carrying a paralytic on a stretcher, and the house was so crowded, they, they went up to the roof, you know, and the roof had these tiles of, of packed twigs and mortar, and they, they kind of removed a section, and they, they lowered this man down right in the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And it's interesting, did you notice? Read, read Scripture carefully. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, when he, these friends of this man, when Jesus saw their faith, them taking this risk, bringing this friend to the feet of Jesus, he was impressed by their bold belief. And then he says to the paralytic, 
My friend, your sins are forgiven. Right? You see, faith in this, in this passage really means a visible expression. It's not just intellectual assent. It's not just saying, oh, oh I believe in Jesus. Okay, great. But when, there's, when you see something happening in the world around you and there's a need, act on it. Prime the pump. <laughs> right? Prime the pump that your faith will then yield some wonderful result. Jesus sees this caring action of these men, and of course, he, he gives them more than they were even asking for, right? These men, these men took the risk, and they expectantly then waited to see what would happen. I hope you experience that in life sometimes. When you step out in faith to do something, you don't know if it's going to work, quote to speak. You know, faith works sometimes. From our, from our perspective, yes. Sometimes no, right? Well, where, where'd you go, God? I thought, I thought you said to do this. And you go out and do it, and kind of like it falls flat, and you go, what? Okay. You know, theologian philosopher Elton Trueblood said, um, faith isn't belief without proof, but trust without reservation. Right? Faith isn't belief without proof, but trust without reservation. One of my favorite singer-songwriters uh, is named uh, Annie Herring, and uh, she has this, this really moving song, and, and it's called Number Me in Your Prayers, and I, I thought we could listen just to the first part of that. Listen to the words, they're just beautiful. of Jesus. Number me in your prayers. She says, cover my life with words of love. I'm going through a time when I don't know my way. I must lean on others. So number me in your prayers. I've got to ask, do you have friends like that? Do you have friends who will bring you to the feet of Jesus, like these men bringing the paralytic? Or as you're going through a hard time, when you're having a difficult time and your family or friends know about it, do you have people who will number you in their prayers? I sure hope so. I hope, there, I hope there are people in my life who pray for me and bring me to the feet of Jesus as well. And is your faith like that? Is, do you have that kind of faith uh, to bring others before the Lord? Or on the other hand, who do you know that might be on the injury list? Right? Somebody who's hurting in mind or body or spirit on the job or at school or, or in relationships. I mean, we live in a world that's just filled with need, don't we? I mean, I've got to ask, you know, did you, did you think of bringing someone with you this morning to hear a message of healing and hope? I mean, you've got to ask yourself, you know, who, who should I have asked to come with me? Okay. Or will you have the faith, you know, to share just outside of there in the world or in your family 
uh, with those that you know need the Lord. You see, the Lord has given us, each one of us, time and resources to spend on bringing others to a healing faith in Christ. And this account in Luke chapter 5 would ask those kinds of questions of us. I mean, do you realize just how miraculous it is that God has forgiven you in Jesus Christ? He's forgiven your sins in the name of our Savior. I mean, God, God knows you so well. He knows me so well. I mean, think about how, God, how he knows everything about me. I, I can tell you a few things about me, but I'm not going to tell you everything, you know. But God knows everything, and yet in Christ, he says, I forgive you. I love you. My mercy, my grace extends completely. I mean, you may have heard that many, many times, you know, for those who have been members of the church and have worshipped the Lord for years and years. But, you know, sometimes we can become desensitized, right, to this incredible gift of grace in Christ. And so as we let our need known for the Lord's forgiven, uh, forgiveness, uh, healing can be known because the Lord is there to meet us. Well, seeing their faith, as I said, seeing their faith, Jesus uh, begins by saying to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Friend, your sins are forgiven. Well, that set the religion scholars and the Pharisees buzzing, Right? Who the heck does he think he is? Right? Only God, God and God alone can forgive sins. And yet on their own arguments and their teachings about sin and suffering, Jesus is about to just dismiss them. Because he says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. Well, which one's easier to say? Which is easier to say, oh, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? I think it's much easier to say your sins are forgiven than to come up, come up to a paralytic and say, hey, come on, get up and walk. I've never done that. I, have you? Sometimes, sometimes I feel like we should be able to do that, but you're, you're not Jesus and I'm not Jesus, so we'll leave it there, right? But then he says, so that you know, make sure this is clear, I am the Son of Man, the Messiah, Savior, the one who has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And without a moment's hesitation, he did. He stood up right in front of everyone. He took what he was lying on and went home, it says, praising God. No kidding, praising God. All right. I mean, what in the world is going on here? The Pharisees must have thought, what is this thing? Jesus is fulfilling the promises of Messiah to come. Not only healing and forgiving, but he's setting people back on a walk, or even a run, of faith, of life in Christ, of, of worshiping and knowing the Lord their God. And that's because sin can be like a paralysis. It can keep you and me from walking or running in a life of faith and trust in Christ. Sin can destroy the nerves and atrophy the muscles in any relationship. Sin can keep you and me from, from the abundant life that God really wants for us. He, wants, he created us to experience life and life to the full, as Jesus said. And yet the Lord is always willing, isn't he, 
fresh opportunities for you and me to come to Christ or to bring others to Christ, to trust in Him and to receive from Him forgiveness and healing. Sometimes I wonder, don't you, why is it so hard for, for us to live in forgiveness, to accept it fully and know that in Jesus Christ you are forgiven by faith in His name, by trusting in the Lord, God's grace is there fully, completely. It's a done deal. My sins have forgiven past, present, and future. They're forgiven. And to live in that, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to withdraw from that and I get hard on myself and I, you know, complain about my frailties and hurts and whatevers. And Jesus says, no, you're forgiven. Well, of course, the response to Jesus varies widely. It, it did back then and it does today, right? The Pharisees cried, blasphemy. People today cry, what a religious fanatic you are. What's the matter with you? You believe that stuff? What's the matter with you, right? So many different responses to Jesus. And yet here it says, everyone else was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, we've never seen anything like this. I hope that's your experience of faith. I've, I've never, I'd never seen that before. You know, I, I grew up in a, an Italian Roman Catholic family back east in New Jersey, and, and, you know, God was always mad at me, by the way. You know, I was going to hell no matter what, so I stopped trying, you know. And then when I went to college, I, I met for the first time in my life, some authentic Christian friends. I'd never seen that before. What? These people talk about Jesus Christ? <laughs> they pray together? They, they, they share with others, you know, God's friendship? And they just share that with me in such a way, like I, I'd never seen anything like that before. And that's how the Holy Spirit drew me in to faith in Christ when I was 19 years old. Praise God, you know? It's an amazing thing that um, the success of this miracle recorded uh, narrows those options. I mean, for the paraplegic to resume his walk of life, friends, that's a picture of what Jesus does when he saves. And Jesus has that authority to forgive, to heal, to redeem and save. And so, you know, when your life seems dry or parched or thirsty, Read the note that the Lord left for us, right? Prime the pump with the water of faith and let streams of living water run free. Well, let's pray with and for one another. God, you are so good. You love us. And, and there is really nothing that we can do to, to sever that love. Uh, Lord, you are there always. And you reach out to us again and again and again. And all we have to do, Lord, is just say thank you. Welcome into my life. It's where you want to be. It's where I want you to be, Lord. And so, Lord, we, we come before you, some of us, paralytics in different kinds of ways, seeking, Lord, healing and goodness. And as we come to the table today, we pray that that healing will come our way. Nourish our faith, Lord, in this sacrament of the Lord's Supper. Uh, Lord, let this time be a time 
of worship on Sunday where we go from this place back into the world refreshed and ready to see the kinds of needs that you want to meet through us, bringing others, uh, numbering others in prayer, sharing the grace of Jesus, the kindness of the Lord with others in our lives. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.